be seated. Oh, I need to ask you a question. It's not a trick question. It's just a, a sincere one from my heart. And I want you to answer it honestly in your heart. If you had an opportunity to go somewhere that you could receive a revelatory word that would change your mindset and cause you to reach your destiny for God. Or possibly one or both. You could go somewhere where you could sense and feel and receive a tangible touch of God in your life that you never ever would doubt the supernatural. Or if you could go somewhere where there was a prophetic word released over your life that gave you your next direction and step of where God wanted you to go. If you possibly could get there, would you do it? I would. I'd do that. And, and there is something hap happening next week. It's called Fresh Fire. It's called Redeeming Pink International Women's Convention, but it's open to everybody. Men always come illegally. We want you to come. We love you to come. We need you there. We, we need your strength, and all the night services are open to the public free. And, uh, but here's the deal. You have an opportunity, and I promise you, if you will pursue, God will open up the doors for you to come. Now, we never, ever, ever have anything at Triumph Church any event of any kind that anyone can use the excuse of, I didn't have the money, so I couldn't go. Because I know somebody that's got all the money we need. Yeah, they're sitting up here on the front row. No. <laughs> the stove No, just kidding. But I have a father who has it all. And he will channel it through some people and we will get you there. No one is ever going to stay home because they don't have the money or the financial means. So be bold enough and strong enough to just go out in the foyer. And here's what we're going to do. I, I'm not going to take long. I just need you to obey the Holy Ghost. We need at least 10 people that will say, I want to I sponsor a woman to change her life. I want to seed into that. That's only $50 to do that. $50 and I need about 10. Thank you. Thank you. Is that five or one? Yeah. One. Okay. <laughs> Two, three, four. Is that five or one? One. You better hold your fingers up or I'll count them all. One, two, three. And I had three, four, five, seven. Start again. I think I have to start again. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I got yours, I think. I think I got, okay, I need one more. Ten, look at there. We got it. There you are, right there. All I need you to do, thank you, and I'm telling you, you know, it's more blessed to give than receive, but I can promise you, just because you've seated into that, God's going to pour out a huge blessing on you. And I'm asking him for a double portion anointing on the people that... Uh, have given into this today to, to elevate someone else's life. If you would please write those checks and write them to Redeeming Pink or Triumph. I don't care. Just get them in an envelope and mark it sponsor for Redeeming Pink or Fresh Fire. Take it to the foyer after the service. And those of you 
who need sponsored, please, please go. Don't, don't be bashful. Don't be embarrassed because next year will be your time to sow into somebody. This may be your year to receive. Next year, you'll get to give. So uh, go out in the foyer and tell them, I want to go, but I haven't had the finances, and we will get you there. I promise you. Are you ready to hear the word today? I have a little bit more business to take care of before you start counting me down. Um, I, I, I want to tell you, uh, well, a couple more things. Let me tell you about the conference. Uh, 65 years and over or half price. $25 for all of our youth that are going. And uh, so just, and if you bring two people outside our church, you get yours um, half price. So there's a lot of fun things we can do to give advantages. Again, if you can't afford any of it, come. We will get you, uh, we will get you uh, paid for. God has plenty in his storehouse somewhere. Okay. I want to uh, set this up by... by giving you a couple uh, exhortations that the Lord has given us through prophetic words. One I gave you when we were here the last time, and I'm going to do part two of that message on greatness. Do any of you remember the message about great, becoming great? Okay, we're going to find out how much you remember in just a minute because I'm going to do a quick uh, review to catch us all up and remind you and get us on, on a point for the, the part two. But... Here's what I want to do. I, I want you to know the prophetic word of the Lord over this congregation. I, the, uh, back in November, the end of November, the Lord gave us a word and said that we were entering into the most significant assignment, significant season in the history of this church. That it would bring with it more impact and he would put us into places, and I'm quoting, in venues that we have not yet been in or worked in. And that was before we had a clue we were going to be going to TCDC, to Triumph Church, to, to Washington, D.C. But I, when God gave us that word, I thought that was pink going into venues that I had never been into yet. And, and uh, maybe it is that as well, but it's certainly we're going into a very significant season where Triumph Church is going to D.C. But even more than that, God said individually... And significantly, this church body, this would be the most significant season in the history of our uh, time as a church body and your individual lives. Now, what I want to know is, can you receive that in your spirit and believe that and get a hold of that? Because if you don't, then your next season isn't going to be significant because nothing happens without faith. And it's one thing to receive a word from God directly from the throne room of God. But if you don't reach out and get it and claim it and declare it, it will pass you right on by. And so this is our opportunity. When the word of the Lord says it's our most significant season, I take that very, very seriously. Because we've had some significant seasons. If you've been at Triumph very long, and if you've been with us anywhere from 10 to more years, you know this church has gone through some significant seasons that has affected lives all over the nations. And God said again from this house, we would be a voice to the nations. And I, I'm, I'm claiming that. I'm claiming that. So with that said, uh, 
that, that word has stirred in my spirit and stirred in my spirit because I'm determined this year that I am going to take the words that God gives me and I'm going to declare them over my life. If I can sing a song over and over and over, if I can read a scripture out of the word of God over and over again, I'm going to keep repeating and declaring the prophetic words and the rhema words that God releases in our body. I think that's very important that we do that. So that's why I'm taking time to get that in your spirit. Secondly, the, the next thing that the Lord spoke to me very, very clearly on a Saturday night about a month ago, I was uh, in a lot of severe pain with corporal tunnel syndrome. I had spent 17 nights of the worst pain, no sleep. I was totally sleep deprived, could not sleep at all. My hand totally on fire all the way to my elbow, then up to my shoulder, and literally on fire. I'd put it under cold water. I'd shake it. I would do anything. I'd pray in tongues. I'd run. I'd jump. I'd go up and down on my knees. I did every calisthenic that could be done. I did everything trying. And I have a high degree of pain tolerance, and so it, I didn't even notice it was coming on until it was so bad. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And so on this particular Saturday night, it was the 17th night. I'm walking the floors. Pastor and I are in a hotel room because we'd been run out of our home by 30-something young adults, and uh, they were having a retreat in our home. I don't know what that picture is all about. but And then our other home, we've not been run out of, but, you know, we got other kids in that home, so we're homeless. <laughs> Just kidding. We're not. And so, uh, so I'm, I'm walking that, that night, and I will never forget it. You know how those things are so indelibly stamped in your spirit. I will never forget that moment when I'm walking. And finally, I was hurting so bad, I got mad. Now, I know you've heard of the diary of a black woman, but have you ever heard the diary of a white Mississippi girl that is mad at the devil? I mean, that's mad. That's like killing mad. And I mean, I was determined to make him pay because I had lost 17 nights of sleep and I couldn't hardly think. And I was weary and well-doing. And I got so mad, I said, you're going to pay. So I started interceding and I started praying for everybody I knew by their first name. Anybody that came to me and everything that the Spirit of the Lord would bring up, I just prayed in the Holy Ghost and prayed over everybody. Started, and I went in the bathroom. I sat, sat down on the toilet. Not used the toilet. Don't get that picture. <laughs> sat down there because I'm trying to keep him from getting going to sleep. I mean, staying awake. So I'm trying my best and I'm sitting there and I'm praying and I'm praying in the Holy Ghost and praying for you and praying for the building to come up and praying for and praying and interceding and the Holy Ghost interrupted my thought pattern in my prayer time and said, I, this is a season you're entering into of impossible assignments. And I did what I always do with my Heavenly Father because I have that relationship with Him. I, I'll never forget it. I sat there and looked up and said, why are you giving me an impossible assignment? That doesn't make sense. And he said, I said they were impossible for you, but they're not impossible for me. And so that changed my whole perspective at that moment. A profound word, but just simple. Just, just we know it, but when God speaks it, it just becomes rhema in our hearts. And so I believe that we have entered into the most significant season of impossible assignments in the history of our lives. Now, you can believe that, or you can just say, oh, that's just one more word. She's excited, and she said, well, maybe, maybe I am, 
But I can tell you, I didn't make that up. I can tell you, I didn't have time to make that up. I was praying for everybody. I was hurting so badly. I was trying to just keep my mind on Jesus. And he interrupted all my pain and all my thoughts to tell me, to tell you that we're entering into a season of significance and impossible assignment, the most significant seasons that we have yet to this point entered into. Now, can you get a hold of that? All right, turn in the word with me to... 1 Kings 19, and then flip over to Matthew 20, and we'll start there because I want to give us, I'm going to do a 15-minute, 10 to 15, no more than, review just to catch everybody up, and then I'm going to finish up, and we'll be out of here in plenty, plenty time. I promise you, it's going to be short. So, Matthew 20, 20 through 26 says this. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons, came to him with her sons, kneeling down and asking something from him, him, me, and Jesus. And he said to her, what do you wish? And she said to him, grant that these two sons of mine may sit on your right hand and on the other and the left in your kingdom. But Jesus answered and said, you do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink and be baptized with the baptism? That I'm, they're asking how to be great, if they can be great. And Jesus said, no. And they said, yeah, yes, sir, we are very well able to do that. And he said, all righty then, you will indeed drink my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with, but to sit on my right hand and on my left hand is not mine to give you. And he, and he said to them, you will, oh, no, no, for those for whom it is prepared by my father. And when the ten heard it, they were greatly displeased with the two brothers. Mm -hmm. But Jesus called them to himself and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them and those who are great exercise authority. This is how they do it in the world. They lord it over. They step on you to get to the other place. That's how you get great in the world and in the religious kingdom and political kingdom. But, he said, yet it's not going to be among you. It's not going to be in my kingdom like that. Whoever desires to be great, I'm about to tell you how. Number one, I said, you got to drink the cup. And the second one is, let him be your servant, the great among you. Let him be the servant of all. And we'll end there. Okay. So there's two things, as you've already seen and probably already highlighted, that, when, uh, that Jesus gives admonition concerning greatness. Now, here's the deal about greatness. In, the, in religious circles, and even when I was growing up, and maybe in the, in the church world or religious uh, world, it, people frown upon others asking to be great. But Jesus never did. I think it's significant in this scripture that he never rebuked them for that. In fact, his very first covenant man was a man named Abraham. Y'all remember him? Jesus, get, I mean, God gave these words to him and said, I will make you, I will make you what? Then if he's going to make his first covenant man with him great, there must be something okay about greatness. In the heart of every single person sitting in here is a desire to be significant in some way, to make a difference in somebody's life. Now, maybe, maybe you've squelched that. Maybe other people have pressed that down. But the, remember I gave you an illustration when I was in here, how the Holy Ghost comes inside of you. Y'all remember that? And uh, Dino and Lisa, Dino was, you know, God and 
it was, and I was the Holy Spirit. Y'all remember that illustration? And, and, there, and when you want to kind of go back into the comfort zone, the Holy Spirit inside of you starts standing up and said, I got more. I got more. Come on. I want, I've got more because he leads and he guides us and he wants us to move into significance and greatness and, and to realize every single ounce of potential and destiny that is on our lives. So in the heart of God is greatness. And if that's what he is, he wants us to be great. Because this is why he said to Abraham, if I make you great, then your fame is going to spread. And you will, all of the nations of the earth will come from out of your loins. Why? Because of the greatness. So what does greatness do? Puff us up? Make us proud? Make us big in our own eyes? Absolutely not. It will cause us to have open doors to us. It will give and open up the hearts of people in our lives. Give us an opportunity to step in and the kingdom be expanded. When you become great in God's eyes, it gives open doors and avenues that his fame will be spread all over the world. Now, who doesn't want that? Who doesn't want greatness? Every man and woman born of God wants greatness inside of them. So these two young guys, there was something in them wanting to get a little bit further than where they were. But if you remember me telling you in my interpretation of it, I feel like that one of the things was, you know, they wanted to get there, but they didn't want to make their friends mad. Have you ever gotten a job and you and your friend have the same job? Then one of you gets a promotion. Sweet Jesus. That is bad news because somebody's going to be mad up in that place because there's something about each other. The human nature doesn't want somebody to get it over you. Just, I know y'all don't know anybody like that, but there's one or two people like that in here. So keep your eyes straight ahead right now. So these two guys got their mama to go do it for them, and that's, you know, that's just my interpretation because they didn't want the other guys, but the other guys got mad anyway. So Jesus does not rebuke them for wanting greatness, but what he does do is exhort them that it's not sometimes, it's not wanting greatness, it's the way. He didn't want them to manipulate. He didn't want them to control. He didn't want them to go through the back door. He wanted to share with them what the results would be and what the consequences would be and what they were going to have to do to get it. He wanted to make sure they were ready for that. So the first thing he says to them, if you remember, he says that you got to drink my cup. Number one, say drink the cup. Now, every calling and every destiny, there is a resistance in our lives. To reach the potential God has inside of us, there is a resistance. And here's what happens. If you decide you're not going to drink your own cup, you're going to try to drink somebody else's because you like what they have and you want what they have, so you're going to drink somebody else's cup, then the resistance in your life is more than you have the grace for. And so it crushes you because you're not drinking your own cup. You're not drinking what is really yours. And so the, the, the bottom line is you only can drink the cup that is given to you. Nobody else can drink that cup. But here's the awesome thing. God will never give you that cup that within it there wasn't enough grace to get you to the place that you need to go. In your cup is the grace that you need for the potential and the significance that God has for you. So this guy... Uh, the, the, the people that somehow want to drink other people's cups always find out that there is, there is something 
lacking because they cannot live up to what someone else's cup intends. People get mad. They get angry about it. You know, they get mad at somebody else. And I gave you an illustration. They get mad because somebody's got a Ferrari. Well, I can't believe they've got that. Well, you don't know what cup they drank to get that. You know, a, a doctor that pulls up beside you at the deal with this Ferrari, and you're angry and envious of it. Well, he went through two years of, of school to get his associate degree, kept a four-point average so he could get his bachelor's. Then he had to have a four-point to get in medical school for another four years and pay $100,000 about every single year for, that he probably had to borrow every dime of. Then when he gets through that, he has to he moves out of that into medical school and work about 90 hours at least a week, doesn't get paid anything yet, lives in a locker room drinking coffee so that he can just stay awake. And finally, when he does get out of school in his residency, he's in his early 30s, now he's got to pay $400,000 back before he can even have, be in the, in the black at all. And you're going to worry about him up in a Ferrari? I can tell you I wasn't willing to drink that cup and most of you weren't either. So if you want to worry about somebody else's cup, then you got to be willing to drink the cup. Anybody with me? Well, there's no other person on the planet that can be you. You are the only one. You need to get comfortable with you. Then when you get comfortable with you, you won't need everybody else telling you how worthy you are. You won't need every boss every day coming behind you saying you're doing a good job because you're already comfortable with you. You know who you are. You know your self-worth. Because at some point, you've got to find out that God emptied heaven to send his only son to let you know how worthy you really were. That's how worthy you are. So let's get comfortable being me. Get comfortable being you. And you don't have to have all your friends telling you how valuable you how valuable you are every day. You already know. Jesus said, if you want to be great, you got to drink the cup. He also said, if you're going to be great, you got to be the servant of all. Servant of all. Number two, you got to be the servant of all. You got, and that's, what this means is, if you're good with your hands, then you've got to take that gift. And it's not just for the church. That's what's good about this. It's for outside the four walls. It's out in the harvest field. It's out in the marketplace. It's at home. Wherever you are, your gift is not for, some, is not for you. Your heart is for one or two people or a few people. You can't give it away because everybody don't know you and love you and don't know you. But you can't give your heart to everybody. But you give your gift to everybody. Are you with me? Does anybody understand? Your gift is for if you want to be great, then you've got to serve all. No, I'm just going to serve people that appreciate. No, you serve everybody with your gift. Your gift is for everybody. So if you're good with your hands, you take your gift, you prepare it, you develop it, you put it on a platter, and you serve it to everybody you can serve. Everywhere you go, you elevate people's life with it. If you want to know the significant people in your life that you feel like are great, every one of you will say it's not the ones that it's not the ones that consider themselves great it's the ones that you esteem as great because they've elevated your life in some way is anybody with me okay so number two Jesus said if you king that if you want to be great you've got to take your gift and serve it everywhere you go he said kingdom people know who they are and know what they have and they know how to serve what they have 
If you want to be a kingdom woman or man of God, you've got to take what you have and serve it everywhere you go. Now, are y'all with me? Okay, that's the end of the review. Did you make a hundred? All right, part two. Now, go with me to 1 Kings 19, 19. Discover what's wonderful about you because there is something inside of every single person in here that attracts you to people. There is a God factor in you, a God magnet in you, and you've got to discover what that is and, and begin to release it on this world. And uh, in 1 Kings 19, 19, it says, So he departed from there and found Elisha the son of Japhat, who was plowing with 12 oxen, yoke of oxen before him, and he was with the 12. Then Elijah passed by him and threw his mantle on him. Say, threw his mantle. Now that's key. And he left the oxen and he ran after Elijah and said, Please, let me kiss my father and my mother, then I will follow you. And he said to him, go back again, for what have I done to you? Now, let me give you a brief history. Elijah is God's man of the hour. He has been in every kind of battle you can imagine. If you think that you've been fighting some battles, listen to his woes. He has got Ahab that hates him and trying to kill him. He's got Jezebel. Whoo, this woman is mad. And she is a torment, and she has done her dead-level best, as we say, to do everything she can to destroy him. And if that's not enough, the formidable foe of the god Baal, who all the Israelites are bowing down to and worshiping him, all, all of Israel is doing that at the time. And God says, Elijah, you're the man. You can deal with this. You are more than enough. There's enough greatness in you to deal with this. And so Elijah steps up to the test because he is more than able to do it. But he understands that he's God's man to fight the battle. But he also realizes that his life is coming to an end. And that in order for him to be a, a success, he's got to raise up successors in his life. He's got to always be reaching up and pulling somebody up alongside of him to carry on the job and to help the mission get accomplished. So life's coming to an end. And he goes out into this field, and he's riding along, and he sees this farmer boy. This guy's name is Elisha, and he sees him out in the line of 12 plowers. Think about this. 12 plowers with oxen, mules, or whatever they are. And he sees him, and this boy is the 12th one. He's the last one in line of all the 12, and he's behind this oxen, and he's plowing in the field. And he, the word of the Lord says that... He throws a mantle on him. Now, I can tell you, Elisha don't have a clue what's just been thrown on him. He don't have any idea. But somehow, he understood. Now, Elijah says, realize something. Let me, let's get this straight first and, and put, this in, put this in your computer. He's not out there doing anything bad. He's not doing something bad. In fact, he's doing something admirable. He's a farmer. It was an incredibly admirable thing in that day and still is today. There's nothing sinful about it. There's nothing wrong about doing what Elisha was doing. But something inside of Elijah knows that there's more in that boy than what he's doing right now. 
Now I'm going somewhere. There's somebody in here that's about to get this. There's, he's not in sin, and it's not bad, and it's not a bad lifestyle, and what he's doing isn't going to hurt him. But Elijah has enough sense to know that there's something more in that boy. And so he releases an anointing on him, and he just pulled up beside him and threw his mantle on him, and a new, fresh anointing hit that boy. And he would never be the same ever again. And that's what I'm believing is going to happen in here today. A new, fresh anointing is going to be released on you. And you're never going to be the same. Now, here's what happened. In 1 Kings 21, where I just read, Elijah turned back from him and took a yoke of oxen and slaughtered them and boiled their flesh using the oxen's equipment and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he arose and followed Elisha and became his co-worker in ministry and his vice president of the company. What, what, excuse me? He became, wait, wait, wait. Surely it didn't say that he's going to become a servant. Because he's out there doing something good. And he, he ain't going to become a servant. But, 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 but that's what he said. That he is going to become a servant. Now, I just talked to you about the way up is, is down. If you want to become great, you got to become a servant. And Elisha got a hold of something. And said, I know that if I want that greatness, I've got to serve. I don't, I'm not going to come up beside him and be his partner. And, and, but I'm going to serve him. In fact, the Bible goes on to say and later on that the only job description that was ever given to Elisha was to pour hands on the servant, on the, on the, the man, Elijah's hands, and serve him. Here's a point, a quick point you've got to know. If there is something drawing you, a greatness drawing you inside of you of something, then you've got to get alongside of somebody that's got something that you need and want and do everything you can to serve those people in every way, to make them greater because the greater they become, the more greatness will be released upon you. Is anybody with me? So, here is this guy, and the only way he knows that he can follow him is to serve him. So, he's, he's learning this serving mentality because he's about to be released into something very, very, very wonderful. Watch. He's behind 12 oxen. And again, he's not doing anything bad, but here is what he's doing. And this is where I see us as a church Right now, as God has really begun to pour into my spirit about this next significant step, this next significant season he's drawing us into. This young man is not doing anything bad, but what he is doing is he is walking in mediocrity. Now, here's the deal. There's some things you need to know about mediocrity. Is anybody awake in here? Okay, here's some things you need to know. First of all, mediocrity has a system. And attached to this system of mediocrity is the fact that you have to do the same thing over and over every day. Never challenge the status quo. Never try to cause your abilities to be stretched. Never challenge your giftings or your anointings. Never try to rise to another level. The system will always protect you and take care of you if you'll just stay locked in to this system. And never challenge the status quo. Is anybody with me? 
So that's one of the problems with mediocrity because there's a system around it and it would keep you locked in and keep you from advancing in your life. It's nothing wrong with what you're doing. It's not sin, but it's not the best God has for you either. And mediocrity won't allow the best. It wants what it wants because it can control what it wants. The system locks you in just like sin will lock you in. And there's another problem with mediocrity, and that is it likes company. Mediocrity never, ever wants anybody within the system to challenge each other's uh, giftings and anointings and cause them to rise to their success and, and give them initiative. In fact, it will not allow initiative to move to the next level. It will always keep you at the same, same place. It fosters each other's lack of initiative. It fosters each other's lack of, of, of development and moving forward. Are you with me? So there is a spirit of mediocrity that's in the church right now. It has entered through the back door somehow. And God has said, look, I have called this a season of significance. And now I don't say that what you've been doing, because here's the deal. We're at this place where uh, this boy has got more than what is he's been doing on him. There's more than on him. There's more in him. There's more that needs to be released through him than what he's doing. Even though what he's doing isn't bad. Are you with me? But he's behind these donkeys or these oxen or these whatever they are. Yeah, mules or whatever they are. And he's trying to get them to go. Giddy up, giddy up. And he's plowing. But somewhere he is behind. And I, I, I told the first, I, I told the first uh, session this morning, the first service this morning, that, and I, I wrote it in my notes, it's terrible when the thing you are following is dumber than you are. Seriously. Seriously. Hear my heart. I can tell you right now, I don't ever, ever want to be fun. I know, I know that there's wonderful people and they've done good things, but I'm not going to follow somebody just because I've got some blind allegiance to something they did for me back in 1983 when we started the church and they gave us $42. I will love you. I will appreciate you. I'll send you gifts and I'll try to give you back a hundred times more, but there's no way that I'm not going to, that I can follow someone that can't take me to a place that's different than where I'm at right now and knows less spiritually than where I am right now that hasn't been to places that I haven't been yet in the spirit that has doesn't have a different calling and anointing there's no way I can blindly stick behind there that's a whole message in itself somebody needs to get a hold of that So there is something about this boy, and he knows. He refuses to stay behind here. Elijah throws his mantle on him, and the boy did not have a clue what had just happened to him. When that anointing hit him, he did not know what had just happened, and he certainly didn't know where he was going or what he was about to do. But this is what he did know. In order to move in and step in to this place, that's greater than where he's been. He's got to let go of everything he presently is taking care of. 
He's got to let go of the old mindsets. He's got to let go of all, and it's two-part, because he realizes, and this is where you are right now, and we all as a people, there comes a place. You know, there comes a place where it's not just enough. It's not just enough to get delivered and get delivered, but you got to at some point say, look, I am not going to keep whining or keep telling over and over the same old story. I have been set free. There comes a place when generational curses have got to be broken forever and ever. There comes a place where you've got to leave behind what they called you in first grade, your nickname, and how you felt and how devalued you felt and realize that there is an anointing that's just been thrown over you that will break all of those yokes. And something inside of you has got to rise up and say, I don't know. This is a comfortable place. I'm plowing out here and doing something admirable, but God's got something greater for me. And I'm ready to let loose of where I am right now in order to go get it. It's not a comfortable thing for me. And this is even where I've been. This is where I've let go of a lot of that years ago, but here's where I've been. And this is the second part that many of you are at too. He had to let go of the good too. See, here's, he had to let go of his past successes. The day his oxen really got out there and plowed up four fields, you know, and nobody else did that, but his did four that day. If he's really going to go with this man and he's going to receive this anointing to move out of where he is, he's got knows he doesn't know where he's going, but he knows he's got to let go of all the past successes too, all the things that were great and the great moves of God that we had in the old triumph and the glory days and oh my God if you'd ever seen anything like it I want to tell you God is throwing a mantle on his church right now that's so much greater than anything we've ever seen or heard and we don't know what it looks like we gotta let go of what it used to be in order to move to where we are going now that's the word from God If I've ever heard a word from the Spirit of God, I know maybe personally I'm having to let go. That don't mean I don't talk about good things. That don't mean that I don't talk about the wonderful moves of God. But what it does mean is I am opening myself up for this fresh anointing to come on me, to empower me, to go to this next place that God is calling us to be. And this is what I do know. I don't know. I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I do know who holds tomorrow. And I don't know what 2013 holds, but I do know that there's a prize. And there's a prize. And I'm reaching for the prize. And I'm going after the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. I, I, I can't even tell you Maybe I'm just preaching to myself But let me tell you the next part Is what gets me Because this is where God began to show up In my room about three weeks ago And began to prophesy over me personally And I began to get it Elisha had been out in this field Taking steps And here's the deal 
He said, I'm going to turn loose. And some of you have got to just do that prophetically. I'm going to turn loose. That don't mean that we don't ever remember those hurtful things. No. It just means they're not binding us. They're not keeping us tied in to mediocrity. They're not stopping us from moving out of our comfort zone. And the great things that have happened in our lives doesn't mean that I don't rejoice and tell them to my grandchildren and great-grandchildren. But it means that I I am not so tied to them that I expect to repeat exactly that because God's got more than that in store for us. What he's got in store for us is so bigger and greater than we could ever imagine. And I will never, ever try to reproduce. I, I heard the word of the Lord say a couple years ago, Renee, you cannot reproduce the past. But what you can do is reach into the future and bring it into the right now. And that's what I hear the Spirit of the Lord saying. We can't try to recreate what's in our past, but we can reach into the future and bring heaven to earth right now. And we're not giving up on it. Say, I'm not giving up on it. I want more and I'm not going to be satisfied. I am not satisfied with where the body of Christ is right now. I can tell you that. And I'm not going to be satisfied until we see an unleashing of miracles and signs and wonders like I see in the Word of God. I want it and that's what I'm crying out for. And I'm opening my heart for that. And here's what happened. Elijah has been out in the field taking steps. Now, see, it wasn't that Elisha. You got to watch this. Somebody needs to get up on the edge of their seat right now because something's going to hit you in a minute. It's not so much that Elisha wasn't moving because he was. If you're plowing, you're moving, baby. And the church has been at a place, thankfully at Triumph Church, Beaumont. You've heard enough word. You've been in the presence of God in a corporate setting of worship enough that you have heard the word. And it's moving your life forward. And you're not the same person you used to be. Can you say amen? You're not the old person that you used to be. But you're moving your life forward. But Elisha's over in this field. And all of a sudden, he's been taking steps. He's been plowing. But there is a difference. And this is what the Holy Ghost said to me. There is a difference in steps and significant steps. God is moving us to a place of significant steps. This is what I heard the Holy Ghost saying. That we are entering into a season right now where your next decision is your most significant decision you will ever make in your life. Somebody needs to stand up on your feet with me right now. And somebody needs to just take a couple steps with me and say, I'm taking significant steps. Because your next relationship, your next relationship, hold on. The Holy Ghost is speaking right now. Your next relationship is your most significant one. Your next job is your most significant job. Your next step is your most significant step. We've been moving, but God said, no, you're not going to move like that anymore. I'm going to cause you to move into some great significance. I'm going to turn your life totally around. You've been moving, but now you're going to move by the Holy Ghost under the anointing. Yes, 
Get out and take a few steps with me. Some of you need to step into some greatness. Take some significant steps. Move on into that place God has for you. Move into that place God has. Significant steps in the spirit. The word of the Lord says, the steps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord. And our next steps are our most significant ones. In every place we put the sole of our feet, he's going to give it to us. This is our season. This is our season of significance in the spirit. We're moving into that. So I prophesy over the people of God right now. I prophesy that their feet are ordered of the Lord. I prophesy that significance is coming upon them. I can tell you there is an anointing that God is releasing for greatness, for significance, not just mediocrity, not just doing good. You see, here's the deal. We keep waiting. We keep waiting for God to take us out of something bad into something all unbelievable. When that doesn't happen very often. That's not even the principle here. The principle is he isn't taking us out of something bad. He's taking us out of something good, into something significant, into something great that's going to advance his kingdom in such a way that we have yet to experience. So I pray over the people of God. I release a spirit of significance. I release in this atmosphere greatness upon the people of God. I declare greatness over their lives. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Now, our next step, the Spirit of the Lord said to me, is our most significant yet. And so, God, I'm doing what you told me to do, and I'm releasing that over these people right now. Most significant steps. And we will not conform. We will not conform. These are great times. These are significant times. And we've got to get it right this time, God. I want you to say this with me. I will not make the same mistake. I will not make the same mistake. I will not make the same mistake. I am moving into significance. In the name of Jesus. Now watch this. 2 Kings 2.9. Elijah asked Elisha, what can I do before I go? And he said, I want a double portion. And so it was when they had crossed over that Elijah said to Elisha, ask, what may I do for you before I'm taken away from you? Elisha said, please let a double portion of the Spirit fall on me. That's a very admirable thing. There's nothing wrong with that. Nevertheless, if you see me when I'm taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if not, it shall not be so. Then it happened as they continued on and talked that suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire and separated the two of them. And Elisha went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elisha saw it and he cried out, watch this, My father, my father. 
the chariot of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw him no more and he took hold of his own clothes and tore them into pieces. He also took up the mantle of Elijah that had fallen from him and went back and stood by the bank of Jordan. Something that God has for you. And it's all right for you to want it. It's all right for you to want it. There's God's got something so great. And I want to free everybody in here to want it. I want to free everybody to reach up and say, I want it, I want it, I want it. There's nothing wrong with wanting something more than what you've got. I want it. I'm desperate for it. But here's, what did he want? He wanted a double portion. When did he get it? I'll tell you when he got it. There was a shift. And there's going to be some shifts in here in just a moment. There was a shift in the heavenlies. When this young boy, Elisha, looked up to the heavenlies after he said, I want a double portion. But he looked up into the heavenlies when his mentor is going away. And he said, Father, Father, when his affections shifted from the gift and the blessing he was wanting to the blessing giver and the significant one, something took place and that's when the mantle fell on him. When the father saw that more than the blessing and more than the double portion and more than the gift and more than all the accolades and more than all the greatness, he wanted him. He loved him. He loved him more. At that moment, something shifted in the heavenlies. There was a significant shift. And that boy received that double portion and that mantle fell on him. This is what I'm saying to the church. That it could it be in the next few minutes that something is going to shift and mantles are going to start falling. When more than you want your next breath, more than you want that next gift, more than you want your gifts to be accelerated, more than you want those blessings to come, more than you want that greatness to exemplify in your life, more than all that, you just want Him to know you love Him. More than you know or anything else, then that's when there's something going to shift in the heavenlies. Something begins to shift. It's out of our heart, and I wonder if just a few minutes we could see what the Holy Ghost is going to do here with our hands out somehow. And let's sing, I love Him. I love you. Oh.